Having agency is defined as the capacity of individuals to act independently and to make their own free choices. Tune in to get an inside look at the inspiring uphill climb of businesswomen from around the world. I'm your host, Cheryl Gillihan, and this is Woman-Owned Agency. Kim, I'm so happy to have you with me today. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. I realized once you got on video, I was like, I recognize you. I know I know you from somewhere. And I think we figured it out. We know each other through the, the B Corp network. So wonderful to see you again. And you know, for our audience, would you please just introduce yourself and share a little bit more about your company? Sure. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. My name is Kim Fuller. I am founder and CEO of Phil. We are a company based in Canada. We help uh, nonprofit organizations and other socially mission businesses help them do more good in the world. So we do that through strategy, fundraising, communications, marketing, you name it, anything we can help them to do to move their mission forward. Yeah, and we definitely have some overlap there. Um, with my company as well, which is fantastic that, you know, we can, can potentially work together on projects, which is fun. Absolutely. Um, so I think that, you know, one of the things that really intrigued me is that, you know, we also work with the same types of businesses that you do. And I saw in one of your profiles, you said that we were, you were focused on um, organizations that are community driven. Um, and so I was like, that's interesting language because we have this problem of of saying, you know, we work with socially responsible businesses or we work with nonprofits. That's been the easiest for us to share because people are like, oh, you work with nonprofits. Great. But then that's pigeonholed us to, we only work with nonprofits. I'm like, well, no, not quite. There's all these other types of businesses that are doing great things in the world and we would love to work with them. So how have you kind of come up with with your language for what that looks like? Because I mean, you're in marketing, so I think you've yeah. got that nailed down a little bit better. I would, I would hope that we're good at finding the way to word things, um, but you'd be surprised. I mean, we, you know, shoemaker without shoes, right? There's just like these, these stereotypes and we did struggle for a long time trying to find the appropriate vocabulary and we still are working at it every day because it's evolving every day. And when I started, the term social entrepreneur didn't even exist, right? And so I've been constantly looking for a way to explain what we do, who we do it for. And what I realized in the last 20 years that I've been, 20 plus years that I've been running the business, the landscape has changed quite a bit. When we did first start, it was church and charity. And those were the ones who were doing good out there, right? And so over the years with social entrepreneurship, with all these other businesses who are out there doing good, we realized that we didn't have to limit ourselves to charities and nonprofits and foundations and so on, that we could also do work with businesses who cared about their communities. And so just changing that language ever so slightly helped us broaden our reach, helped us be more accessible to a number of different change makers that I like to <laughs> refer to people who are trying to make a difference in the world. Yeah, I love it. And yes, the landscape has definitely changed. You know, I think it was 2017 that Public Benefit Corporation actually became, you know, a, a type of entity in the state of Texas. And so, and, and some states don't even have that entity formation yet. And so, yeah, it's constantly changing. 
um, which for the good, you know, I, I love it because there's, there's progress being made there, um, which means that, you know, it matters and it's really making a difference within our communities. So, mm-hmm. well, I want to talk a little bit about you personally. You said 20 plus years, congratulations on that. Like, <laughs> how did you come into this world? Like one day did you just wake up and say, I want to be a business owner or have you kind of always aspired for this since you were younger? No, I don't. I don't think I set out to be an entrepreneur. It just sort of happened. Um, first, because I had trouble finding a job <laughs> when I graduated. And second, because the work that I did find, um, I recognized that I didn't like how regular businesses were run. And so I wanted to run my own business on my own terms. And that's kind of how I fell into entrepreneurship. I was just being that, I guess, a little rebellious side of me that was, you know, um, bubbling up. And um, I did get a chance to work in a couple of, you know, traditional small ad agencies at the beginning of my career. Um, and, you know, there were some things that I really admired about them. There were some other things that I had, you know, some ideas on what I would do if I had a choice to do it myself. And then that's how it kind of all came together was I started the company with a buddy of mine um, who left a few years after the business started. Uh, entrepreneurship wasn't his cup of tea. So I said, I'll keep going. And uh, here we are. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is not everybody's cup of tea. I will say there are some parts of business ownership that like right now it's tax season. And I'm like, this is the part of the business that I don't like. <laughs> I'm glad I have a great CPA. This is not the fun part yeah. of it. Um, but I love the other pieces of just being able to be creative, to be strategic, to be helpful and really, you know, make a difference through the work that we're doing. Um, and you're right, you know, the term social entrepreneurship still feels like a very young term. Um, I feel like there's still people that don't know what that quite means. Um, but I love that it is, is gaining ground and there is a community that's building around that, which is fantastic. Um, so you said, you know, that you're a little bit rebellious. Um, have you started other businesses or is this like your, your solo venture? And what was that like in like those first few years? Because they say, you know, that most small businesses um, don't last after five years. And here you are 20 plus years later, what was that like in the beginning? Scary. (laughs) I got married, started the business and had my first kid all within 18 months uh, of each other. So that was a pretty, um, you know, aggressive start to my adult life. Um, And so by 27, I had my hands full with quite a few things. And um, it is my sole venture. I've only ever had the one company, but it, it morphed. So after running the business for a couple of years, I realized having a mix of for-profit and non-profit clients, I really realized that the serving the social sector was what I wanted to do more of. Um, and oh, little by little, that's just all I wanted to do, but I didn't know if it was sustainable. And so, um, you know, I found this organization in New York called Big Duck and they did branding or they do branding and communications for nonprofits. And I figured, well, if she could do it in New York, I can do it in Montreal. (laughs) And that's how we just got started. And so now we're serving organizations locally, nationally, internationally. Um, And the company had a different name when we first started and then I started Phil as a division just to kind of like test the waters because um, I had no clue no clue if it was going to work 
And, and then gradually, I just stopped doing business development on the corporate side as the nonprofit side grew. And, um, and then we let the other name just kind of, you know, go off into the sunset and, and just ran as Phil all the way. That's fantastic. So why mm -hmm. Phil? Is there a story behind the name? Yeah, in ancient Greek, it means love. So it was just the perfect, um, perfect word. I didn't want anything that sounded like a big fancy agency. Um, I don't even like the term agency. It just sounded, you know, too corporate. Um, and so I figured Phil was, you know, approachable, friendly, everything that we wanted in a name. And um, so many people ask me if it's named after my husband or my kids or something like that. And then when I tell them what the word actually means, then they start putting two and two together going, oh. Oh, that's where you get the word philanthropy right love of humankind and you know all sorts of other words philosophy and, and all the other fill words so um yeah it's really at the root of everything that we do and we love what we do so it was really fitting to to name the company phil i love it i love it so it's funny you say you don't even really like the word agency you know i was trying to think of the name for this podcast woman-owned agency and I am learning to love the word agency, um, not for the sense of like what type of business we are, but, you know, having not, agency, not too <laughs> long ago, you know, I was, I was talking to my husband who's also in the business with me and I'm like, no, I don't just own an agency. I'm a woman with agency. <laughs> and I was like, and these women have agency and they, how wonderful is it to have that kind of power to make a difference you know and so yeah that word is growing on me a lot <laughs> in that sure. use absolutely love it <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah I I think that you know words mean a lot and and philanthropy I didn't even think about the fact that you know the root of that word is love so how wonderful is that um and I think that for me, so just to give a little bit of, of history and context, I started from a linguistic background. Um, so I love languages and translation and root words and all of that. Um, and I think that's it's how I got into this business. I fell into entrepreneurship as well and didn't even consider myself an entrepreneur really until a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, but I started, you know, in scripture translation and actually, uh, was able to travel to the other side of the world and trans help uh, help with a project to translate into a language that had never been written before and using technology to do that. I'm like, who gets to do this? This is crazy. This is amazing. So it's like we get to do such amazing things when we we put ourselves out there in this space to be able to help others. Um, I would love if you have any stories to share, like just some fascinating projects that you've done and, and things that you've gotten to sort of put your hands into that you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. That's <laughs> um, almost like asking me like, which of your kids do you, you know, like who's your favorite? Like, it's just so hard to pick, right? Like you've just got so many great experiences. Um, I'm really fortunate and I feel like almost every day I, you know, I finish my day exhausted, but I'm like, wow, I just got to do all that stuff today. Um, one of my earliest experiences um, that was graphic design related, because that's where I started my career, was I got to design and co-design um, a touch screen software interface I'm not sure I understand. for, for um, 
a, a touchscreen interface for a medical system for monitoring women in labor. And it was like the weirdest challenge because, I mean, this was almost 20 years ago. This, like, this technology was so new. Um, I had to understand what goes through, you know, doctors, nurses' brains and how they respond to iconography and, and just the system itself being so new. I mean, it's hard for most of us today to think about not touching screens because we've been so used to it for two decades but trust me when I say like it was completely unusual back back then and and so I think that was one of the first things that I was just like wow and then when I had my first child they were um telling me in in the hospital room that I had to sign a waiver because it was part of this system that was tracking um it was a labor, labor monitoring device and I was like I designed the interface for that <laughs> but it was just so cool. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, so it was like a real world thing that was being used every day that was helping women, that was helping doctors and nurses. Um, and and I get goosebumps just, just remembering having that opportunity. Um, and then through the years, we've had a number of different projects that just mean so much because the organizations that we work for are just in the trenches doing the most remarkable work, you know, trying to find cures to the most, you know, impossible diseases and, you know, saving children and, and saving lives and feeding the hungry and sheltering the homeless. And, you know, it just, the list goes on and on and on. So. Yeah. Similar to you, we kind of touch in all sectors. We're not specific to one, you know, social sector. Um, and, and that's why, you know, behind me, I've got all of the SDGs on our wall because, you know, we really do projects in all of them. And I think they, there's an intersection between all of them. You know, once you're, you're working in one sector, you realize, you know, oh, they have clean water. Now we have to, we have the opportunity to put girls in schools and now we're tackling education. Oh, now we've got an education. Now we have to tackle workforce development, <laughs> you know, and like there, there are these things that change as, as you tackle one sector, you know, it kind of snowballs into other things. Um, and I love, 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 love that story and being able to tell those stories, especially, um, I find to my team that's, you know, kind of in the trenches and like just moving the pixels around. I'm like, this is so much more than pixels, you know, at the mm. end of the day, when it gets put together, when, when everybody puts their little pieces together, it's this thing that changes lives, you know, really makes a transformation. And so those stories really help a lot in being able to, to put those pieces together and to see what, what we, we, we just, um, we just recently had a, a beautiful story from one of my coworkers who received a special message from a young woman um, following a conversation that he had had with her a few months ago um, because she was suffering from um, mental health issues that were bringing on eating disorders. And we had started working with a local organization that was helping youth and um, with healthier eating habits and, and, and educating people around anorexia, bulimia, et cetera. And he received the most touching note from this young woman who said, thanks for telling me about the organization that you're doing work for. It was great to be heard and to know that these resources are available and it's really changed my life. And, you know, and so in, in the moment, he didn't even think about the implications of like his day job being able to carry over to share an experience with this young woman who is struggling 
and then it set her on a different course. It was just, it was just there. It was available to him, right? And and then to hear back that it had such a profound impact on that person's life was just amazing. And so, yeah, we have stories like that every week. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's so wonderful. Yeah, and I think that some of the transformations that we make are internal like that too. Your, your team has changed for having worked with your organization, you know, and, and in turn, they get to kind of spread that out. It's just like throwing the seeds out there. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about your team. So how large is your team? And like, what would you say is like your expertise? What are the things that you really, I mean, you kind of said we do all the things. <laughs> you need help with you. Um, but you know, what are some of the things that are really special that your team focuses on? Well, we we primarily focus on marketing and communications, um, and we're focused on serving organizations that are focused on creating systemic change. So that is really important to us because we want. We don't want to be working on band-aid solutions. We want to be looking to, you know, long-term solutions. And so we really gravitate towards the organizations that are looking at transformation and, and systems change. Um, and in terms of the services, you know, even though we focus on marketing and communications, so many other things trickle out into other spaces. Um, you know, when we do strategic work and we're looking at how do we tackle a fundraising or marketing or branding situation there might be some strategic things that have to do with governance or have to do with HR and we, and no pretty website or email marketing or social media campaign is going to fix the root issues that the organization is facing. So because we've been in the space for so long, because we've worked with so many organizations, it doesn't take us very long to kind of put our finger on, you know, what else is, is not optimal. And then we can help our clients work through that. So that's how we kind of spread out into all these different areas. But at our core, I mean, we started as a production house, we were doing branding websites, um, you know, at the turn of the millennium, when everybody wanted a new look, and everybody wanted a website. Um, and, and so that's where we got our start. But then over the years, we, we added to our, our bag of tricks. And um, in terms of our staff, we have um, full time people on staff, but we have a hybrid kind of model where we have another 10 to 12 collaborators who work with us on a freelance basis. And so what it allows us to do is contract to be a really small team when we need to be and get really big when we have clients that need um, more of us on hand. So um, it took me a really long time to figure out that business model, but it seems to really be our sweet spot now because um, we have, you know, strong a strong and consistent team in-house. And then we have really, really excellent expertise um, that we can call on when we need it um, to just make these little clusters of like dream teams to work on our clients' projects. Yeah, I love that model too. Um, we certainly have, you know, specialists that we reach out to. Um, for example, like we don't do animation in-house, but we have specialists that work on animation with us. Um, and, and having those partnerships built and established really helps us respond when we need to, you know, in a way that we can say, yeah, we have somebody that we trust for that. Um, and I think that's part of the reason I'm doing this podcast and really inviting people to learn more about women-owned agencies and, and different companies, because I, I want them to know that the expertise is out there. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that the help is out there. And that if you're looking to hire a woman-owned agency, we've got so many to choose from, you know, we've got a lot of different specialties and great networks and, and, and specialized experience that we can really help through a variety of different mm-hmm. things. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so bringing it back to you, um, what's next for you? Like, do you have anything special that's launching soon or that you're really interested in learning about and exploring you into the metaverse? I I just have to ask. (laughs) I'm not, no. Well, I, I just, every day my clients are throwing, you know, a lot of different things at us. And I feel like the reactiveness that we have to have, especially during the pandemic has been remarkably high, like just having to think on our feet constantly, having to help our clients figure out what to do when they can't do what they've been so used to doing forever, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's been enough of a challenge just in and of itself, but I live for that. I mean, I love the challenge of solving problems. I mean, besides working with with this sector, I mean, in my downtime, I work on puzzles. Like I'm obsessed with jigsaw puzzles and I can sit and work on a puzzle for like six hours and not even realize where the time has gone because my brain just loves figuring out where the pieces go. And then I love the completion and going, wow, you know, I helped make that happen. Um, And so that's one of my main motivators is is finding the solutions. Um, where, Where we've been heading in the last couple of years and we will continue to head is really an impact measurement. So a lot of the work that we do helps charities further their mission. But today, funders um, and investors want proof. They want to know beyond just like, oh, okay, you're an after-school program and you served, you know, 50 kids last year you know, what are the rates of, you know, keeping kids from dropping out? What are the rates of this? What are the statistics for that? And and so um, if you're not measuring what matters, you really don't know how to answer those questions. And you also don't know how to improve your work in terms of moving the needle forward. So um, we've been working with our clients a lot to use the um, the UN Sustainable Development Goals as a way to be part of, you know, the world's to-do list and and helping our clients develop a language around impact measurement that really resonates with funders, that really resonates with donors. And our donors now are being, they're so educated. They've got, you know, everything at their fingertips. They can go onto a website. They expect to see accountability. They expect to see transparency. And that's what we're helping our clients with more and more because they realize that if they're not doing that work, they're going to miss out on funding. They're going to miss out on the donor's trust. And so that's the biggest shift that I've seen in the last couple of years. And I know it's going to keep going um, in the next you know, few years as well. And so are you using the framework of the SDGs or are you actually helping your clients like tailor in what they're monitoring and evaluating based on their specific program? Both. Both. So okay. when where we can where we can, we've done some specific SDG exercises with with a few clients. It's still really intimidating to the average charity to kind of tackle it because they see it from a global standpoint and they're just like, even the language is so academic and and heavy and and you don't really understand how it relates to your everyday work. 
And so we started with ourselves and we took Phil as a company and we're like, okay, what are the, you know, what are the SDGs that we could actually have an impact on through the work that we do with our clients? You know, we work with a lot of organizations in health and education, community groups and so on. Um, and, and gender equality is a really big one. We work at a ton of organizations that move, you know, women's causes forward. Um, and then there's things that we can do as a company where we choose to do business in a way that is not harmful for the planet, that is, you know, fair to our workers and all the other tenants of, of being a good B Corp, um, which we are very proud to be. So we, we used ourselves as a guinea pig first. And we're like, if we're as a small business, if we can figure out how to align with the SDGs and really make it meaningful to our work, then we can roll this out and help other organizations do the same. And so that's what we've been doing for the last two years um, as 2030 approaches. And we're feeling really the more and more pressure to you know, help reach these goals. Um, we can only do that if we all pull together. So wherever we can, we're weaving it into our work and bringing it up in strategic conversations with our clients so that they can learn a little bit more about it, not feel so intimidated by it <laughs> and um, and break it down into things that make sense to them. And, and, and it's amazing to see how they light up when they connect on something that's really meaningful. Yeah. And like you said earlier, um, you can't improve what you don't measure, you know? So you only get better as an organization once you start measuring those things and once you start tracking them. And I think that donors and investors are starting to recognize that, that that those that have those impact reports and those impact measurements are actually improving as organizations and progressing because they have those benchmarks and they have those measurements. And it's something yeah. that they're tracking and holding themselves accountable to. Um, I know yeah. that we just recently started measuring, you know, how many women were in our supply chain, how many women-owned businesses were in our supply chain. And I thought, you know, surely because, you know, we're already woman-owned and because we make great decisions in all of these other areas like environmental sustainability. Surely we have a lot of women owned businesses in our supply chain and we didn't, <laughs> you know, our measurement was 3% and we we're like, wow, we weren't measuring it. So we just didn't know. And we didn't know to ask the question. And so now we are asking that question um, and we are making some changes and we are supporting more women owned businesses, but we had to measure that first. And so, yeah. yeah. And it really, once you, once you're important. aware of it, yeah, once you're aware of it, it really makes all the difference. And, you know, we just um, had a, a team event and I wanted to send lunch to everybody, um, you know, because we've all been working from home and it's hard not being together during the pandemic. And, you know, we, we looked for a woman-owned catering company that would deliver our lunch boxes to the whole team. And, and then, you know, we gave her a shout out on LinkedIn because it was delicious and they were, they took such good care of us, you know, and we're looking at, you know, who do we do? We don't do much printing these days, but, you know, we're researching women-owned printers. Like where could we find some locally, you know, talent, talented women who are, you know, who could be our partners in, in those areas. And the more you look for them, the more you'll find them. And then, you know, you'll be able to support the community better. So I think it's uh, it's a great place to start. Exactly, exactly. And I do think that, you know, what you were saying about organizations being able to show that impact to their, their donors and investors is something that's going to be, you know, a continuing trend. I think investors, especially the younger investors are just getting really savvy about that. You know, they, they want to see the numbers mm -hmm. and accountability. So, yeah. 
And it's also not only just for, from a fundraising standpoint with our clients using it, but just even, you know, when I talk about our work and because I have this data available to us now, because we did our impact strategy about a year and a half ago, and we're getting ready to put, put together our first ever impact report. Um, if we can carve out the time to get it done by the spring, um, you know, I, I have numbers off the top of my head that when I'm talking to a client and I tell them, you know, like, why should they choose our agency over somebody else's who's, you know, specialized in, in the space? Um, I can really say with conviction, like, we really give back to our community. We did over 720 hours of volunteer work last year as a team. Wow. You know, and, and in, I have I have those numbers available to me because we've been measuring them. You know, we've been time tracking. We've been clocking these things. We've been tracking them. And so it's helping me show that our company is the real deal because we're measuring really specific things that are impressive to a potential client, you know, and, and it shows that we really are authentic in the way we do our work and the reasons for which we do it. So um, it, it can really make a big difference in, you know, who you end up working with when your values align. And that's, that's really important to us. And I would love to get your impact report. I just really love looking at other people's impact reports because <laughs> they're always so beautiful and it shows their values and it shows what they care about. But it also like for me shows like what are the things other companies are measuring? What am I not measuring? So I just saw an impact report recently and I thought, oh, wow. I never even thought about the fact that all of the free resources and blog posts that we put out there that it's like, here's how you do this more easily. Here's how you mm -hmm. do this for free. Here's a resource for you. Here's a a template that you can use. Like we put a lot of that out into the community mm -hmm. just because, you know, um, and we, we think that it'll help. But I saw an impact report that was like, we've given out this many resources this year. I thought, yeah. I never even thought about measuring that. It's something that we already mm -hmm. do, but we never measured the fact that this is adding value to our, our business community, the social enterprise community, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I love Great. reading those reports. Um, we have been doing our reports since I took over as CEO um, in 2017, I think was our first year. And I just feel like every single year we're like, oh, what can we measure now? What can we add? What can we measure? What can we think about? Um, and so recently we did start tracking our volunteer hours. We've made it um, optional for our team because we don't do paid volunteer time off right now. Mm -hmm. We do have a lot of team members that just are involved in the community in various ways. And so um, those who are willing to share their volunteer hours with us, we're able to see, you know, okay, how is our, our team giving back? Um, mm -hmm. And how do they like to use that time? And, and in what ways are they serving? Because we want to think yeah. about a paid time off for volunteering program or how do we volunteer as a team in a meaningful way? So we wanted to understand first, like where are they spending their time? How are they, you know, giving back to their community and what will be meaningful to them if we do this as a group? Yeah. yeah and as a small company, we, we made it a policy that we would pay up to 20 hours of volunteering a year. So, you know, like a couple hours a month about um, for employees to just be involved and it ended up you know 
that people are just doing so much more than that, even beyond the hours that they're getting paid to do it. And um, I think one of the reasons that we've been successful as, as a really small, busy business to be able to move our impact strategy forward was we created impact committees within our company. And so- Tell me um, more. Well, one of our employees uh, who's also heading up the local um, B local group for our B Corps um, here in our province, um, we designated her the Queen Bee. So she's in charge of all things B Corp and helping us get these uh, committees into place. And so we have one committee who's focused on accessibility and in design and communication. We've got another one that's focused on uh, on JEDI, so justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. We've got another one that's focused on um, environment and so on. And so we broke up into these groups and every staff member is on at least one or two committees each. And they have their short, medium, and long-term goals. And that's how we've been able to move things forward um, really organically and 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 self-motivated as well you know so it's not just one person who's always chasing everybody down like everybody's on their committees and they're moving their committee work forward and then what's going to happen now the, the the work that we have in front of us over the next couple of months is to go and take all of that work that's been done over the last year and put it into our into our report so it doesn't fall on the shoulders of one single person it's really everybody on the team who feels that they've contributed and have contributed to moving all of our our you know our objectives forward yeah that's an inspiring model um you know we haven't we have uh beekeepers on our team uh to sort of be involved with bee lab and be in involved with the bee local communities um, we haven't really done it as a as a whole team so that's inspiring you know what was the best and most surprising outcome of that was in teams, you, you typically work with the same people a lot, day in and day out, right? And what I loved about these committees is that you would have, you know, our finance guy working with our graphic designer on a committee, and they would hardly ever work together, but they're working together on the committee, right? Or somebody who's an account director wouldn't necessarily be working with somebody else on the team that closely, but they are working on the committee together. And so what you do is you learn more about your teammates, you're, you know, learning from each other and learning about each other as well. And that was just a really nice surprise outcome of doing these committees. So yeah, I think it's, it's great for anybody who wants to look at how to make it more manageable. Um, just share the load. I think that's the, the way yeah. to go. Absolutely. And then, so with your committees, sorry, I'm just really intrigued by this. And so I want to ask you all the questions um, with these committees. Is it only within your own company or does that expand outside of your company to other local social enterprises that you might be attracting? For right now, it's within our own company to help move our impact strategy forward, but it has uh, you know, trickled off a little bit to, you know, learning about other, you know, finding other partners, finding alliances with other organizations that can help us move our goals forward. Um, but for the time being, it's been, you know, in-house. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I think that's a great model for, you know, how it can expand and scale for sure. So, mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, sharing all your stories. I loved the personal story that you shared about the design that you did early on and how that kind of just came full circle for you in real life um, and, and in the hospital room. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, 
I love meeting other women who own agencies who are doing amazing work in the world. If you have anybody that you'd like to shout out or any women, maybe that you haven't worked with that you're like, I would just really love to work with this agency. Um, you know, now's the time for you to kind of call that out. And, you know, if it's someone you haven't worked with and I can make an introduction, I'd be happy to. I, I'm very fortunate that I work with a lot of really, really uh, talented uh, ladies uh, with my B Corp CEO women's group, which is called We The Change. And um, there's there's at least three of them that own their own agencies. Um, right off the top of my head, I can think of, well, Phil's like entrepreneurial twin is called um, Mission Partners. And um, that's headed up by Carrie Fox. She's fantastic. Uh, there's also a web agency called Unity Web Agency. Um, and that's led by Alisa Hare. Um, and I would probably say, just to give a bit of diversity, um, PR wise, um, Lorraine Shushart runs uh, a company called Prosper for Purpose. And so those are three fantastic ladies that I get to uh, work on a volunteer basis with uh, all the time. And I've learned so much from them and I've seen them in action and I have so much respect for their work. So if you're looking for, you know, help in the nonprofit space or web or PR and positioning, those are the ladies to go to. Thank you so much for sharing. All right. Well, this is wonderful. I enjoyed our time together today and I hope to learn more about Phil and I hope that we get to collaborate with one another on a project. Absolutely. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks, Kim.